Welcome in to Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Trucial and Seth Coggin back at it after a little uh little week off for the boys, a little Easter Hiatus. week off, I guess you could say. Bye but, week. Uh, we're back in the Bye studio. Week. Glad to be Rest back and recovery. with you Um guys, big weekend. Actually, let's let, Trucial, I want to give a little shout out to you. Big uh, Nick Trucial here completed the nashville half marathon let's go baby and went all in i was weak i just did the 5k but trucial went all in he said i'm gonna do the half marathon ran his way through it dominated it I trucial, did. how are you feeling uh i'm still i'm kind of just like worn out as a human being really uh it's it's been tough to do anything today but you know where there's work to be done so i mean there's no excuses it doesn't matter if i ran a half marathon this weekend it, I'm, I'm treating it as if i gotta run another half marathon next weekend so that's how well, why not more yeah you've done I'm, a half you know you're still alive why not go a little further yeah the half was a little too easy for me so i might go full <laughs> marathon uh next go around but no the half was definitely uh, a challenge but it was a it was a good challenge that i was able able to uh overcome uh kind of blew out my knee at the end there and had to hobble to the finish line but uh, uh i was at the med tent and they were bio freezing me up i asked uh asked the lady how far i had and this was my knee had already been hurting but um and we're getting way off topic, but I'll finish my story here. Um, they're bio freezing me up. I mean, I, it's like, I'm a cyborg out there. They're patching, patching my knee up. I ask how much I got left and they say 0.3 miles. I said, Oh, I don't need ice. I'm ready to go. And I just take off. I just take off like on one leg, my left foot's hurting. My right knee's banged up. Everything's going wrong at the end, but uh, I just willed myself to victory and uh, was able to sprint across that finish line. And it felt great. So beautiful, but I'm excited to be back here in the studio. Talk a little basketball, a little baseball, a little football, all three of the above here. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's kick it off. Talk a little NBA playoffs. Uh, got a lot of I'm actually watching the Celtics and the Nets go on right now, um, but there's a lot of close series going on like we were talking about. What do you all want to kick off with first on that aspect? Or we can kick it off with Grizz, uh, if that's what you all want to do. Uh, we can talk. Well, it's, the Mavs Mavs played tonight, so, you know, we can talk about their series there, 2-2. Two, two. Um, yeah, against Utah. Yeah. Um, so, Luka, Luka been out the first three games, but they were up 2-1, to one, but then they lost when he came back. And that was a brutal loss in game It was. Three. Yeah, the it was. I saw the ending of that. Or game four, I guess, yeah. Well, missing those could, dude missing those two free throws with a, and then oh that was, that's that's just so heartbreaking to lose that way yeah, yeah very sad and uh i think when they were listing off the stats luca was pretty pissed about the disparity uh between free throws between the two teams i know utah had shot like 43 something like that and then yeah Dallas had shot like 20 something that game. So he was well, I saw that. I saw someone, you know, everyone's got a theory on Twitter, right? Like, yeah, I saw uh, that I know theory exactly where on Twitter going. where they said all three of the teams that were up two to one on the road. So the, uh, they were up two to one, trying to go up three to one. All three of those teams had like 17 plus free throw dis- disparity for the, the home team to essentially try to extend the, you know, make sure the series go more games. The home team's going to shoot more free throws tonight. Like we're going to give them a better chance to win. Yeah, it's not necessarily like you know that's kind of how sports go. That's how basketball goes, especially. That's why it's hard to win on the road in anything, uh, uh, any kind of basketball at any level. Because you know what, the calls are probably going to be just a little bit in favor of, of the home team. 
but that did seem a little bit coincidental that you had three games that were all decided by about a point or two, like all super close games where the free throw uh, differential is, you know, 15 plus in favor of the home team. Just, uh, you know, something to keep an eye on Adam Silver. We're, we're, we're watching. We're paying attention. Yeah. And there's a Netflix documentary, including Tim Donaghy coming out here soon. Um, And if you've gone back and listened to some of his interviews, essentially what I think has happened um, is exactly how he describes the NBA fixed games and would actually call kind of call down to the refs, say, Hey, we need to extend these series. We need to, uh, we need to get to some more games out of this, extend the playoffs and more revenue for the NBA. And if Tim Donaghy said, I mean, I don't know why he would lie and make something like that up. I mean, I kind of believe him. I, I think there could actually be some truth. Now, I don't know if they fixed all, all three games. Like you said, Seth, that one stat was pretty crazy, but I think there's a, probably more of a chance it was a coincidence than anything else. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the NBA is one league that I think it's very possible stuff like that's happening. Um, I remember – I mean, we're all these all these uh, organizations or businesses, right? They're in it to make money, and I don't even think that's necessarily super, I mean, super far out there. Especially going with saying, "Hey, home teams are going to get the calls," or "Hey, let's give these like make give it a shot to extend the series, make more money, all that stuff." I feel like you see it when it really came out back when LeBron was on the Heat when they were playing the Pacers, the whole flop flop situation thing we're talking hey lebron's our money maker we want to make sure he gets all the calls he can get but you see that in the nfl too some like you i mean guys talk about it all the time hey you don't get that call brady gets that call you know you yes like there there is a little money maker uh aspect to it but i mean yeah i I don't think i feel like i'm probably diving a little too far into it but yeah something to keep your eye on um but definitely Seth, to your point, I think in general, regardless if there is anything going on, refs are going to kind of ride with that home crowd a lot of the times. And I think it honestly can just be psychological, too. I mean, when you got thousands and thousands of fans screaming and you screaming at you, you don't always want to be the bad guy either. So sometimes it just kind of comes out, especially instinctually, you're going to give the calls to that team. But yeah, let's dive in a little more to some of the series. How do y'all feel about especially some of these closer series like we talked about earlier that are tied up 2-2. Do we want to get into what we're thinking is going to kind of end up, what the final result's going to be? Yeah, best two out of three now. So you got you got three best two out of three uh, series. Yeah. Uh, we got the Grizz. I'm taking the Grizz over the Timberwolves. Yes, sir. And two out of three games, two out of three are in Memphis. And I think we're the better team, you know, Tough loss, tough loss. Like, we've won two out of the last three. I think we'll win at least two of the next three. I I could almost see either the Grizz losing the first game in Minnesota and then going back-to-back back at home. Like, going, winning six and – is it – wait, is it 2-3-2? Two, two? No, I think so it goes it's back to Memphis one, one, right Oh, so it's right? back yeah. in Memphis right now? Yeah, it's 1-1. Yeah. One, one, Ooh, one. Yep. nice. Okay, win that one. You got to win – you better win that one. Yeah, we got to win this next one. Yeah. yeah. You and then the go just go rip that. out the heart of Minnesota right there. Winning on their home court would be nice to clinch round two in 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 the nine. Yeah, I got the Grizzlies in that one. Yeah, no, I I think I mean I do too. I hate that they lost that last game because it was I playoffs are crazy because I mean obviously you're gonna have a lot of close games, but 
the way it kind of unfolded at the end and you're thinking, gosh, this was so this so easily could have been a Grizzlies win the way they still kind of held on yeah. at the end. Just kind of made me sick. But yeah, I really hope they can pull it off because if they if the Grizz were to lose this series, it would just be kind of a I mean, obviously a letdown, but at the same time, I almost feel like they got robbed in a way not like anything is going on but just like man you really should have won that series well not only this series but the west is so wide open right now yeah like if you if you get through this series they're the they're i mean phoenix right up there as the favorite yeah phoenix is in as much of a battle right now as the grizz are with the pelicans like no one is out of like the the first round yet and it's already just kind of you know, you can see it's just anyone's ballgame. Golden State is tough. Like, they are going to – they are good. And they're the ones that kind of have taken care of business so far. But, um, you know, the Grizz get through, and you're right there looking at it. You're looking at the the Grizzlies' probably best opportunity to make the finals that they've ever had. Like, oh, there's definitely. no there's no oh, yeah. super team this year that it's like they're just not getting through them. Like, put them in a series with the Warriors and go seven. You know, yeah, the Grizzlies can certainly beat anybody, I think, in a seven yeah. game series this year. Yeah. And the Suns are certainly vulnerable. I mean, if Devin Booker doesn't play, the Suns aren't a conference finals team, I don't think. So well, I don't might, know. I don't know his full status. They could, yeah, they yeah. may not make it out of the I mean, the loose in New Orleans would be very unexpected. That'd be but it could happen. Yeah. And people are talking all this stuff about uh Devin Booker being out, but let's not forget that. The Pelicans also have a 26-point, 61% field goal shooter sitting on street clothes on the bench in Zion Williamson. So there's no excuse that that the Suns have saying, oh, we're good battling through injuries. We're missing our guys. Well, the Pelicans are missing Zion. So I don't think uh, it, it's fair to say, hey, well, it, Booker's out, so this doesn't count. Pelicans have been missing Zion for yeah, two seasons, right? Yeah, that's true. Missing Zion is basically like on paper only, like you're missing yeah. him. But yeah, I mean, point to it. Hey, throw it out there if you want. So who you who you got? You got the uh, the Suns or, or the Pelicans? You know, I'm I'm riding with Brandon Ingram on this. I I've, I really like Brandon Ingram. I like Herbert Jones. I like that Jose Alvarado guy who plays some nasty defense. They're just like a nasty team from down south. So I'm rocking with the Pels. Plus, I got some family in Louisiana, so I'll, I'll use that as an excuse. Yeah, shout out Nola. I'll go with the Pels too. Why not? Why not What's New the- Orleans? What's the deal with Booker? Like I know uh, I hamstring. Mean, what's the extent? Hamstring sprain. Apparently, it's pretty bad. I mean, yeah, that's not good. Is I'm, he out? Like playoffs? Like is he out? Uh, so they haven't really given too much information, but I mean, there's a good chance he doesn't play this series. I, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I hate. I hate when we all agree because I wish there was a little. You know, I like having a little variety, but I, no, I think I'm going to go. We're all picking the eight seed. Yeah, if if Booker, did, I mean, the way Chris Paul looked last difference. night, he had four points. That's atrocious. So awful. Yeah, just got clamped. Not a good like. Not in the way the Suns played did not inspire any kind of confidence. If that makes sense, like I know they're the one seed, but the way that they looked as a team was so just discombobulated. Not good. Not someone I bet to win in a two out of three series. Yeah, dude, CJ uh, McCollum and Brandon Ingram is a good duo. Like, just from guys that can just create, create offense. They're so they're so hard to guard. 
Yeah. New Orleans is fun to watch. New Orleans is fun to watch. New, New Orleans is a fun team, and they're going to be uh, – I mean, they're going to be giving anybody trouble, I think, really, in these playoffs. Um, they play uh, – they're just such a nasty team on defense, and I think that matters so much more in the postseason when guys are really tightened up and you, you need to be able to stop that big-time score – uh, and they did it with Chris Paul. I mean, it helps, like like we said, with having Devin Booker out. But to hold Chris Paul to four points in a like, mu- I wouldn't say must win, but pretty close to a must win game uh, to keep them out of trouble. I mean, that they, they're in serious trouble now after losing this game. Um, and you know, you know that um, Chris Paul did not have any of the Mamba in him last night. Uh, as Seth is drinking a Mamba flavored uh, body armor right there. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think the Pels take care of business, but what about the Utah Dallas series? I got Dallas in this cause I'm rocking with Luca. I love my boy out there, but th- this is a tight matchup too. Cause Utah is so good defensively. And I, I love Mike Conley and, uh, Spider Mitchell. He's kind of, he's played a little off, but go bears been good down low. And it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting series how that plays out, but I'm riding with Dallas on this one. I got Dallas as well. <laughs> we all we all together so far, but uh, I live with two guys from Dallas. So if I if I go against that, I'm I'm out of the house. So uh, that that don't work too well. So I got to support the Mavs. Uh, Luca's fun to watch. I think he does. I remember watching him. Uh, it, it was fun to watch him in the Olympics last summer. Yeah, and just the way he in the tournament style. I don't know. He just made a lot of people better by getting them open. And I think someone who does that and creates so much for himself, uh, as long as he plays, you know, pretty good, I think I think they'll handle him. I, something about the Jazz just doesn't mesh right. Like they have good pieces, seemingly. Like uh, I mean, between just the guys at the roster that they have, seems like they could be a little better, but they just are not the most cohesive team, in my yeah. opinion. And, and that's pretty limited. Like I don't watch a ton of Utah games, but I watch enough to kind of see that. Um, I don't know. Their offense just doesn't quite flow. Maybe that's because they do have a more traditional center in Gobert. So they, they like they don't play exactly the same offense as a lot of people in the NBA. I mean, you know, everyone plays a little different style, but just so many people are more running gun and they're kind of a little more traditional. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's see. The Mavs are have home court in that one, don't they? They're the higher seed. Is that the four five series there? Yeah. Okay. So the Grizzlies would potentially match up with Golden State, probably, right? Two, two, three. Yes. And then. Then the the yeah either. Well, I don't I don't know if they or do they reseed? I don't know if they reseed. I'll actually have to double check on that. I'm trying to think. That's a big. Uh, That's a big difference in a tournament if they reseed. The NFL does that, right? Yeah, I believe they do. Yeah. Let's see. I'm I'm looking it up right now to to confirm. Um, I think so. The, the teams are never reseeded. Yeah. Unlike in the NFL, where the strongest remaining teams face the weakest teams, the NBA does not reseed. So it's just so, a bracket. Just a bracket. Yep. Nice. Nice. I think for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with the Jazz, and I think they can do it if they just 
watching that last game, it took Donovan Mitchell a while to even get going. I feel like he didn't really get going until late in the second half. Um, and then obviously had that big bucket, that big and one towards the end. And dude, if Gobert can just, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to fix this right now, but if he could just make some free throws, like if he could just. Yeah, they were doing the hack of Gobert. Yeah, end. dude. I mean, he was bad from the free throw line, especially late in the game when it's like they could have easily put that game away if he just makes a few of those free throws. So I'll just ride with them for the sake of argument. If they can just fix a couple of things, I think they can do it. But I mean, I'm also, I'm, I'm with you, Trish. I'm a big Luca fan. I like those. I like watching him play. I like watching the Mavs, but we'll yeah, see. he's so just it'll a fun go, guy to watch. So it'll go. It's it's one 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 right now. So uh-huh. it'll go Dallas, Utah, Dallas. Yep. Okay. So yeah, we'll uh, and I believe they're playing tonight after uh, Boston and Brooklyn, right? Are, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's gonna be uh, pretty telling, I think, after tonight. What happens? What's the East picture looking like? It's Boston, Boston's kind of taking a hold of that right now. 3-0, and they're playing tonight to clinch it. Yeah, they're playing right yeah, now. It's right what now. a it's disappointment crazy. from Brooklyn. Like, that's that's pretty weak. Ben KD, soft. KD can't go in and win nothing. Like, KD Kyrie and coming Martin, back. Dude, dude they, Kyrie talks and a Kyrie. lot of stuff, and, and he gets mentioned in an upper echelon of players for what? For absolutely what? Your, your team's about to – you. You were kind of this figure all year of just like a lightning rod all year of just kind of controversy, just different things he's doing, not playing. Really, that's the end of it, not actually playing with your team. Then come back as if it's – and then you're going to get bounced. You have Kyrie and KD on the same team, and you're going to get bounced 0-4 in the playoffs? That's that's embarrassing. That is an embarrassment right there from Brooklyn. Oh, and they man. were what going into the playoffs? They were like had the third best odds or something really like that, good. despite despite being uh, having to um, play in the play in tournament. I mean, everyone just kind of wrote them off. Oh, well, they have the superstar names. Yeah. Team chemistry doesn't matter. So, I mean, when it comes to the playoffs, Kyrie and KD are just going to take over. And uh, with Ben Simmons, so now I'm seeing I'm reading about Ben Simmons' mental health being the focus on his injury return. So not even physical health. Uh, he's simply just not mentally ready to be out there, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, which, I mean, yes. I've heads, never been in that position. In the game. He's, he's so. checked out. Well, and also I, I just misspoke. I said Harden, obviously Harden's on the Sixers now or whatever, but uh, I don't even know where to start. But <laughs> I mean, I think it's more so, I mean, I think Kyrie's great. And this kind of speaks a lot to just, some teams like I mean chemistry still matters a lot in basketball I think the super team can work obviously it does we saw it with the Warriors dynasty but I don't think that works with every personality obviously when you have kind of I don't I don't know what Kyrie and Katie's relationship is like on and off the court but for some reason I don't know they the gameplay between those two doesn't matter obviously it's not matching up quite as well and then the whole Ben Simmons thing gosh I mean mental health, whatever you call it. I mean, the dude is just, uh, it's a head, he's a head case, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he can't, I don't know what his deal is and why he can't seem to get on the floor right now, but gosh, what a nightmare kind of situation they've had with him. Kind of these young guys see it right now. You have Ben Simmons who for whatever reason, doesn't want to play basketball. And then you have a guy 
in Zion, another young player yeah. on the Pelicans who can't isn't disciplined enough to get on the court, you know. Can't maintain the weight. The floor was bending as he uh descended down from the hoop. I don't know if you guys saw that clip of yeah, that I mean he's still crazy, able that was a crazy video. He's still able yeah. to get up, which is insane at the size that he is, but like just the impact of him hitting the floor, you can tell like he has gotten a lot bigger since college. I guess but what I don't way. get, like, I mean, dude, Sha- Shaq was a big dude. I mean, I guess he was a little more athletic, but like, what's, I mean, there's got to be almost, I don't know. Do you think there's more to it? I, I mean, obviously he's is. just getting hurt, but yeah. What do you think it is? I mean, I think he doesn't want to play in New Orleans really. Um, yeah. I think his head is kind of out uh, uh, of playing there and he's using the injuries almost as like a, a cop out like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm hurt. I don't know if I buy into that. I I feel like there's no way. uh, uh, I mean, unless it's truly just that unfortunate that such a young talented player that everyone thought was going to be this generational really can't recover um, and can't get on the court. That doesn't seem right to me. I hope that's not the case. And I hope he does get back on the court. Uh, there is even some talk about him teaming up with John Morant on the Grizzlies. Have you guys uh, seen any of those murmurs? No. Because <laughs> they played. Uh, I would take him. I, yeah, I would. Like, too. I've talked a yeah. bunch of like, I would, I would take a risk on him. Oh, I wouldn't want to give up too yeah, much for him, but like, yeah, pair I don't think him, you would have to pair him with jaw. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you would okay. have to give up too much either. Yeah. I mean, no. he hasn't. He doesn't have like a proven track record right now. Yeah, and they played together on the same AAU team down in South Carolina in high school. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think John Morant kind of didn't initially get recruited is because Zion was stealing the show. And we all remember Zion in high school, his mixtape dunk, uh, dunk mixtape was insane. Everybody was freaking out about where he was going to go, ends up going to Duke and People wrote off that Duke team as being the greatest college basketball team of all time. And then what? They lose in the Elite Eight, right? Or did they lose in the Final Four? What they lost two? to UCF, right? I think it was in the Elite Eight. Yeah, that sounds right. Did they right. lose to UCF? I think that's right. It was Either way, that team was supposed to be like the greatest college basketball team in history. And then you see how fast things can crumble. So I think the Pelicans right. are doing obviously doing fine without Zion. So I don't even know if they maybe want to throw him into the mix and risk kind of screwing up what they got going on right now. So maybe trading them while you can still have some value. Maybe yeah, that's the, the right thing. Move. I don't know what the value on him will be considering because if it's you can argue the whole injury prone thing and then obviously he's out of shape. And he hasn't. If I'm the Grizzlies, I'd certainly yet. give up. I'd I'd give up a first and second same year to to get Zion because I mean, your pick is going to be like late twenties. I mean, how often do we see it? It happens, but it's not often. I'd I'd take a flyer on Zion and say screw the draft for one year. We'll see. Oh, uh, you could argue though too. I mean, the Grizz, how well they've been drafting. Can they, just keep the, can they just keep the draft? Yeah, I mean, they got going? Bane late first round and Xavier Tillman second round, uh, D'Anthony Melton second round, and they've really built that young core nucleus um, through the draft. And it's kind of weird how we've seen Steven Adams basically completely taken out of the game um, against Minnesota. It was a tough golf, tough uh, call for Coach Jenkins to make, but 
I mean, he hasn't played more than four minutes really since uh, the loss in game one, this series um, going through that small ball lineup. So maybe Zion kind of fits into that small ball type of type of game they're trying to run right now, but it's still, still tough to try and break up the the young core and what this uh, organization has got going on right now. So you can look at it both ways. I like that. Yeah. Well, let's hop into a little uh, draft talk if y'all want to get ready. Um, yeah. Do y'all have any? I'll just kick it off. Do you have any maybe sleeper guys you think might be some steals in the later rounds, or maybe guys who aren't getting talked about a, a lot that might go a little earlier than people expect on draft day? Hmm. I mean. So I really like Zion Johnson, the guard out of Boston College. Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance he goes round one or round two, but he's one of those uh, guys for the Titans that I think if Jamison Williams or Olave, one of those guys doesn't really fall to where, because this draft is weird. And as we get closer, I hear more and more about there not really being that many first round talents graded out in this draft. Um, and there's going to be just a lot of differences in how every team is looking at it. But Zion Johnson, if the Titans don't trade back, is one of those guys that I would love to target and that hasn't quite been talked about as a lot of the Titans' uh, woes are coming from not having a second receiver, really. So I think maybe you can secure up that guard position, uh, replace Saffold, and then then go at uh, – uh, receiver in the third round maybe i think you could because there's even talks of mechie falling all the way down to the third round and if you can get him in the third round i think he has the physical upside to to really make a difference even year one so i'm not saying that's how it's going to play out but that's that's a scenario that i would love to see uh love to see the titans pull off yeah we'll see how i mean we've talked about it a lot on the podcast i don't know what the titans plans are especially with that first pick. But I know they were – Vrabel and J-Rob in their presser the other day were talking a lot about Zion Johnson. So he's probably a guy to look out yeah. for for sure. No, I know I have – I'll go a little biased here, but a guy who really I was – who was at Nebraska who I wasn't so sure if it was the right move for him to leave early. I was thinking he may have been a fifth-round grade. And I was thinking, man, if you would have stayed another year, you could have made yourself a couple hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. Who knows if you just stay another year. But Cam Jurgens, who was Nebraska's center for the past three years, I guess, or maybe four due to the COVID rule, um, he has gone insane as far as combine numbers, pro day numbers. One of the fastest linemen, I think recorded one of the fastest 40s at the combine for linemen. And I mean, at Nebraska, he was by far our best lineman. You could tell just like the tenacity he had and the toughness and grit that he showed. But like I said, I was thinking this guy was going to be a fifth round pick. And now I'm seeing he's popping up on all these sleeper articles and guys now have him going as high as the second or third round. So I think he's one to look out for because he played center all throughout college. But like I said, super athletic, big dude, strong, could probably play guard or something as well in the NFL. So he's a guy to look out for, I would say. And then Trusha, you just talked about it. I mean, there's we could talk almost you could talk sleepers at the receiver position, but I think it's more so we've said it 
for months now or for weeks. The receiver class is just so deep this year that I am kind of – I won't be upset at all if the Titans go with a receiver first round. But if they want to get a guy who they think can come contribute on the offensive line, especially in the first round, I think you're going to have options at that third round pick for a receiver yeah. with a guy that can uh, legitimately contribute in his first year. So we'll see. Uh, I hadn't seen uh, what you were talking about with Mechie. If that's the case, I mean, yeah. shoot, <laughs> he's a guy. If you can get Mechie in the third round, go for it, man. You show me the plan. I'm all for it. And I'm I'm just thinking maybe that's the route they are planning on taking just because Zion Johnson, his name kept coming up at that press conference the other day with J. Robin Vrabel. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I'm excited for sure. They're probably just throwing some bait out there. Could be like, some smoke. Like the Titans yeah. keep throwing the same name out. You know, they keep saying, oh, yeah, this guy, we love this guy. I've been talking to this guy all the time. You know, this is our guy. And then, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Well, but it was it more for so someone's like hand. They were getting asked asked about him yeah. a lot. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really saying they're doing yeah. that in this case, but uh, I, I could see this being one of those times where J. Rob kind of pulls the draft. The sh- draft, maybe the O. I could see him going O line first round. Like, let's draft a stud. Let's drag it. Let's draft. If we draft a O line in the first round, I sw- if he is not ready to start. From like I will, with I, I will yeah. freak. I will freak out. I will freak out if we draft a lineman and he is not and starting week one. Again. No, <laughs> no. So I'm good if we do something where the guy is an instant plug and play, or at least our swing man. You know, we always do have that swing lineman position where yeah. it's like Dennis this is Kelly. our sixth. This is our sixth man. Like someone's going down pretty much every week. You know, at least for a drive or two, we need to plug some guy in. Like at least draft that guy. If if he's that, if he contributes in that role, I'll be okay. Uh, but I could see them kind of making one of those moves to kind of jump up and maybe late second round, you jump into that position and draft a guy that's you know still available. Um, it is deep at the wide receiver, um, so it, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. This draft is more weird. more kind of chaotic i i, I want to say than like a lot of classes like there's no defined like i don't know it kind of is you like you were saying not as many first round grades like true true high high end guys but there is a breadth like a lot of kind of upper tier guys i feel like that are like these are probably contributing but that that could go several rounds you know so right. you're still getting good value even in third fourth round and that's where the i mean that's where we can speak more to the Titans, but they've been very successful in that range. Three to rounds, like three to six finding. Just, oh yeah. If, if you can find guys that can con- legitimately contribute in the fourth or fifth round consistently, you will have a very good football team because like these guys are on their rookie contracts. If they're con- if like, if they're con- contributing and you know, ma- making good um, kind of plays on the field and they're not really paying them that much either. Those are the guys you really need to fill your team um, depth wise to be really successful. Um, so they've done a good job, especially when you're a small market team, you know, when you're not the L- LA Rams, like they've traded in big names at pretty much every position. Cause that's kind of that. What was their mission? Like, yeah. Hey, we're literally, we're literally just going to trade for guys to plug, but the Titans aren't doing that. Like you're, you're seeing, they even are having, it's like a big deal that we, are we even going to pay our star receiver enough money? Like that literally. And I mean, yeah, I, I think we are because we're, <laughs> I know we're a small market team, but 
we paid Tannehill. We paid yeah, we Henry. Paid, we, yeah. yeah, we pay the players. We have the highest paid offense it. in the league. Yeah, so I'm not which is nuts. Yeah, but and when that's, you think about it, it is kind of nuts. <laughs> but that I mean that doesn't include a lot of stuff, and there's still uh, some shaking up to go around. Yeah. Anyway, but, if they draft an offensive lineman and he's not ready to play, I will flip. Just I will go crazy because we can't do that again. Like you've already you botched the Isaiah Wilson. You botched the Isaiah Wilson pick so bad that like I get like PTSD when we try to draft a lineman. Like when they say we're going to draft a lineman late for like late first round. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I can't go through this again. This is terrible. Yeah, I just recently saw a picture of Mike Munchak and Chance Warmack uh, all together. And just like seeing that too, it gets, leaves a nasty taste in your mouth from an O-line perspective in the draft uh, for the Titans. So, I mean, uh, uh, I'm kind of with you on this, Seth. If he's not an immediate contributor, I ain't going to be too happy either. I've also got, uh, you know, if they go best available or something, I'm always good with that. I'm always good with best available, but also a name that we've kind of mentioned on here and that he just, he comes up like every now and then you hear, you hear little kind of rumblings of him. If they, if, if Vrabel, if his buddy Luke Fickle calls him up and says, Hey bro, you gotta, you gotta draft my guy Desmond Ritter. I won't be mad. I will be that would be That'll insane. That'll just kind of, hey, let's stir the pot a little bit. Let's make things a little interesting. And there's people you know? talking about that. Yeah, like, I would. Hey, if Desmond Ritter is kind of that quarterback in the first round, or if, I don't know, like we said, there might not be a ton of quarterbacks that go in the first, and maybe you trade into a second-round pick, or shoot, maybe he's still there. I don't know, because you hear so many different things on all these quarterbacks. I've heard guys say that Desmond Ritter is the most pro-ready quarterback at times. I don't know if that's true. I really I can't get a feel on any of these guys. I mean, he's in the top five probably quarterbacks of this draft class any way you spin it. But if if Rabel and, and his buddy Luke get to talking and say, hey, I think this is the guy you need to take, I'm all for it. I mean, if he's truly your quarterback for the next 10 years to 15 years as a elite starter, then obviously you got to take him if that's what the organization truly believes and – uh, feels like what they have in Ritter. I'm fine with taking him uh, as a late first as well. Uh, I think it'd just be – it'd be shocking, but it'd be – I mean, I'd be excited. I'd be yeah, he thinks excited. That. Yeah, like it'd really stir the pot and really uh, – and we've even seen, seen it happen with Mariota having Tannehill behind him um, and that backup coming in and sparking things up. I think – competition in the QB room is never a bad thing. Now, I don't know if Ritter obviously comes in and makes it a competition right off the bat, but at least uh, Tannehill in the back of his head, like, oh, crap, I, I, I got to go play my butt off. There's the My replacement is right behind me in my rearview mirror here. So um, I don't think that's uh, necessarily a bad thing and could elevate Tannehill's play. That's a signal to Tannehill. If anything else, that that is that's lighting a fire under oh, yeah. under your quarterback and saying, like, look, we are committed to you, but like not for not long. forever. Not forever. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> if it don't pick up, you know, if you don't win when it's time, like this team we've built, another quarterback can win with it. Like we like Tannehill. Tannehill's been a good quarterback. He really has. He's provided stability. He's been above average and made a lot of plays that helped us win a lot of ball games. 
But this team that's built around you is good enough that a lot of quarterbacks could step in and win and have, find good success. Find very a, a lot of quarterbacks can hand off to Derrick Henry and throw to AJ Brown. You know, so hey, we're getting another guy that you know. May, yeah, we're 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 investing a first round pick. That's a big that's a big leap into a quarterback and saying, hey, no, this is a guy that we think could legitimately upseat you. We're not we're not just bringing in a normal backup quarterback. Like this guy is a poten- potential future starter, whether it's week three when you get hurt or whether it's, you know, next year. Uh, I will. I could see that. I, I, I could I could see them doing that. I'd be I'd be kind of bold, but why not? Like if there's someone of good value there, but chances are they're probably I don't think the situation will be right. I don't know. I don't know how high they really have him actually graded. Like, do you think he could be a pretty good quarterback or do you actually think he could be your true like franchise cornerstone quarterback of the future, which is a big difference between like, yeah, this guy might start for us or like, no, this guy is our guy. Like we, he is the piece we're building around. I don't think Desmond Ritter is that guy, um, but, but maybe they do and they, they have studied it more. So I'll, 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 I'll listen. No, I think that's a very good point uh, when you talk about, especially using a first-round pick on a quarterback, you really are kind of committing saying, hey, we're going to use a first-round pick because we think this is our guy eventually at some point. So that's something to take into account. And, yeah, I like I said, I would kind of love to see it just because I think it would be really exciting and I'll ride with it and hope for the best. But I think ideal situation is, yeah, he falls – I don't I don't think he'll go in the first round personally. Yeah. I mean, if I we mean, took him, obviously, he doesn't. But but yeah, I would think second round and then it just depends on who's drafting quarterbacks at that point or if someone wants to take a chance on him. So maybe you move into a second round spot or if you're really lucky and he's there at the third round. I think that's when it's like, hey, we might as well take a, take shot a chance on him. on him with a third round pick, you know. So I don't know. Something to look out for. I'll be excited to see what happens. Is the, does the draft start on Thursday or is it like Saturday? I want to say, it's, I think it's four days now. Yeah. It's Thursday, Friday, say, Saturday, yeah. and or maybe it's three days, but it's so Thursday, it's April Friday, Saturday. 28th through the 30th. So 28th, okay. 29th. Yeah. So 30th. Thursday. Okay. Cool. No, so that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 28th. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The 28th is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So they leave the uh, the Sabbath alone, and uh, we'll do all our work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, paying attention to this draft. So I'm excited. I mean, it does kind of seem this year though that the draft is being not necessarily downplayed, but just like I don't know. It, it, it's because you don't have the quarterbacks. Yeah, without having the flashy quarterback names, it just doesn't feel like it means as much this year. Yeah, you're just missing kind of the the star factor, I guess. I mean, that's the big, quarterback is the biggest position in all of sports, you know. So yeah. if you don't have some big names or at least some big, that's the other thing. These quarterbacks we're talking about, none of them really have huge personalities or anything. You know, yeah. you don't really hear a lot out of Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or, or uh, Matt Corral or. Yeah, Desmond maybe Corral Ritter. is the kind of more fiery one out of all of them, but you really yeah. don't hear a ton out of him either. No. No Heisman winners. No, like, yeah, Bryce Young wins the Heisman, but he's back in college. Um, yeah, that doesn't quite have the buzz 
of a of drafts past, but maybe that is because there's we were talking about. I mean, come back to that point. The level of like true first first round high high talent is just a little bit. Maybe that's a trend you see. I mean, are more kids going to go back to college now well, that the NIL deals? I'm, I'm just you know maybe. Maybe not, it's not all of them, but, you know, 10 guys that would normally go pro go back to college. That's a big – I mean, that's a big chunk of really high-end players that kind of, you know, maybe didn't make their way to the draft like they normally would. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of a guess. It, it would take a lot more years probably to see that effect, and I bet by then that rules of NIL will even be changed. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's also not – like when it was in Nashville, it was obviously – awesome because yeah it was awesome like everything was buzzing you know it was obviously hyper that year and then you kind of had the years off where it was only like the COVID years yeah and those were kind of I, well, I guess i watched some of those drafts but the draft gets long to me like i want to see the results but like to watch it live is kind of like i like the first round it's kind of fun you know it's a good production it's fun to watch the college guys i like that part i like watching their highlights uh, and just kind of seeing a few plays and you know knowing where everybody goes but it's more to me like i want to see it at the end and i want to see the full rosters after that like give me 32 full rosters then that's what i want to see i want to see how these pieces filled out the teams that they got picked for um, then i can really dive deep into the the nfl season yeah it's definitely i'm watching the first round you know and then after that it's kind of if i'm home I'll have it on. Other than that, I'm just keeping up with it on Twitter or on some kind of live feed or something. But yeah, where are they having it this year? It's in Vegas, I think. Okay. Which I don't know if that's, I mean, it sounds cool on paper, but I don't really know if that's really like an do awesome people place in Vegas to do really it. care. Like, but it won't be people in Vegas. They're, that's why, that's why right. it's in Vegas. So everyone can like, Every city that every city that has an NFL team has an airport. So, you know, you can all fly to Vegas. Yeah. Um, Trusha, you were talking about, let's hit kind of last couple things on the draft. Uh, Who were you saying was kind of the number one odds favorite? Yeah. So Trayvon Walker, the defensive end, pretty much pass rusher out of Georgia has overtaken uh, Hutchison, the, edge rusher from Michigan, his odds have shot up to minus 150 to go first overall. So good for Georgia, I guess. Um, I mean, it has the Jags taking him, adding to to the kind of bad defense that, well, I guess they kind of, they kind of had an upward swing at the end. I don't know. Defense got pretty good, right? Yeah. It had an upward swing at the end, but I think at the first overall, if you don't need a quarterback, you just got to go best available. So and you go uh, pass rusher. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, you got to go the best available, most impactful position um, and either a left tackle or a pass rusher, something like that, I think is w- what we're going to see. Uh, but yeah, it's all pretty much solidified. It seems like that the Jags have their guy in Trayvon Walker. Um, Hutchinson's probably going to go second. And it's going to be weird, like we've been talking about, not seeing quarterbacks going. I mean, there's a good chance we don't see any quarterbacks go in the first round, or there's a good chance we see three or four go in the first round. It's so up and down, yeah. Yeah, every team really has such a different grade, uh, which is not not the norm that we see for all of these guys. And I'm not fully sure what the reasoning is behind it, but – 
Um, it's going to be fun to, to see how this all plays out. And it gives us uh, a little hype up for football. Um, as we know, I know we had uh, the spring games recently for college ball. Uh, that was really, I mean, nothing too crazy going on there, but uh, people were freaking out about Oklahoma's spring game. I know, do see that well, how uh, it was packed. And then USC had like a hundred people or something at their spring practice. So there you go, Lincoln Riley. Maybe you didn't uh, make the right choice there. I loved seeing people react to that. Cause obviously I'm on Husker Twitter and Husker Twitter loves to, yeah, they I mean, we like, we to like to, stuff. we like to brag about the, our spring game attendance and whatnot, but the whole time I'm thinking, what is there? I mean, Oklahoma, I get it. You're chirping at Lincoln or whatever, but I'm thinking, okay, honestly, what does it really matter? Like, I mean, it's a brag for the fan base. Yeah. But but I mean, not... Link, I was like, I don't think, okay, you don't have as many fans coming to your spring game. Boo hoo. Like he's the guy's still got a private jet. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's too worried about it. Like, I mean, I'm all for fans being proud of supporting their team, but at the end of the day, I, I, I mean, I, I pointed out every now and then I think it's cool that the Huskers always have, you know, 50 to 70,000 at a spring game, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, look how day. it's translated for Nebraska. Uh, yeah. I mean, ha- haven't even made a bowl game in how many years. Um, Change this so year. we'll see. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is the year I saw a big game boomer was kind of, did you see that poll? Will will Scott Frost win a bowl game this year? I know I didn't um, see it. Yeah, so he it was at 50-50. It did exact uh 50-50. There was a hundred something votes. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what the the field is right now on Scott Frost is 50-50. Uh some people are on his side, some people aren't. Well, I think you have a lot of people riding. I mean, people really started to believe, hey, this team's three and nine, but they actually are kind of good. They were legit there were people outside of Husker Nation that actually believed that. That's what so you have. I mean, you just have, like you said, both sides of the coin. You have some people who are thinking, hey, this team could actually be good and maybe he's close. And then others who are saying, look, he hasn't done it at all. He hasn't come close and he's not gonna. And I am in the middle. I'm just ready to see what happens. I'm scared for this week zero game in Ireland against Northwestern. That's just going to be such an insane, like that's such an insane. I hate it because it's so weird. Like we're playing in Ireland against a conference opponent. I don't know what's going to happen. Northwestern is the weirdest team in college football history. They go to the Big Ten championship one year, then they suck the next year. So who knows what you're going to get with them. We have a new quarterback who we're getting a lot of hype with Casey Thompson and Mark Whipple coming over. It, I, I have no clue what the offense is going to look like, what the Huskers are going to look like. And it all is going to come down to this first game. If you win, good chance you start off really hot and, hey, you're going to probably make a bowl game this year. If you lose, Lincoln's going to burn to the ground because no one's going to know what to do. If you lose, stay in Ireland, Scott Frost. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you lose, don't don't come back. Don't don't go back. I think think they'll make a bowl game this year. I've been riding the Husker train. I know. Um, yeah. So I got to stick with my my boy, Scott Frost. This is the year we turn it around. And I mean it this time. We're finally his second quarterback. See, that's how I'm judging. It's the Scott Frost era uh, with Adrian Martinez uh, and then the Scott Frost era at post. So post I think, I, I think post Martinez, yeah, I think post Martinez is going to have a lot more success. Um, I think 
I think he's brought in enough talent to be competitive. And I think, I do think he's a good coach. Like, I don't think he's, I know he hasn't had success, but I still view him as a good coach. Like, I think he still can find a way to have success. And it's, it's all on him now. I mean, you've had plenty of time. You've had all the support in the world. Like, if you can't win this year at Nebraska, yeah, it's over. You're, you're so this is kind of the year. Yeah. It's kind of exciting, Will. Like, like you said, you're in a good spot because you're kind of, you're, you're on the fence. Like, if, if he is awful this year, then, yeah, let's, um, let's let him go. And I think most of Husker Nation would you know, agree to that. Like, if he doesn't win it this year, we got to let him go, right? Yeah, because to your point, I'm with you. Even if, even if he doesn't do well this year, I still think Scott Frost is a good coach. It just, like, for some reason or another, it wouldn't have worked out in Nebraska if he were to have a bad season this year. But, yeah, yeah I, I don't <laughs> – It'll make me and I think well what I was what I was where I was going with that is I think at a certain point you just have to cut the you know you have to cut it off if he doesn't do it he doesn't do it you've given him gosh I don't need uh five six years now it's like it didn't happen there has to be there has to be a cut off a deadline at some point you can't just yeah. keep doing it so I think this season is I mean it's it's this season yeah no I agree so you know, go in and hopefully it does. Like there's still a good chance. And, and in my brain, a very good chance that he has really good success this year. And it actually propels him to some, sustain some good success. Maybe you have a couple of seats. Like I legitimately think, what if you won nine games this year? Like that would be like, wow, that's a, that is a considerable leap. Like that's a legitimate big jump. And if we can kind of stay at least around that level for several years and maybe jump above it, why not? Like, it's possible still that he could build a good program. He's the, he's the guy that they want to be a successful head coach at Nebraska. Like that's why he's given every chance because yeah. they want, they want Nebraska wants more than anything else. Scott Frost to be the man, to be our coach. Like, so why not have a great year this year and, and kind of ride that out? Let him be the guy. I hope it happens, but if it doesn't, I'll, I'll be, I would have been one wrong. I mean, I thought Scott Frost would be a uh, very successful there and two sad <laughs> sad man frost <laughs> warning i have my frost warning koozie in the other room yeah i will also be i'll be very sad obviously but i think I mean, yeah, where does nebraska go so you fire scott frost like fine i mean who there? i mean i who's available and dan Mullen? i think i mean you have an ad now in the situation with Trev Alberts, who I think if he has to go find a coach, he's going to find a really good one because he's another guy who played at Nebraska uh, was one, I mean, one of the best Russians in Nebraska history. He, he gets it and he's going to want someone who understands the program. He's not going to go hire a Mike Riley type coach. He's going to hire a guy who is proven and who understands what Nebraska stands for. Um, but like you said, I, I mean, I hope, I hope you can just make a huge jump and get to eight or nine wins. I said if if they get seven, I'll be satisfied. If they get six, I'll be kind of like they. I'll be like they're probably going to keep them, but I don't know if it's really going to get better than that. <laughs> six and a bowl win. Hey, man. I would take that. I think I would take six and a bowl win. I mean, that'd be I, I would, that would be a considerable step. It would. That's what's. I'm, I'm looking for more than that though, yeah. just because. I think I think they're capable of it. I think the schedule allows them to have a pretty good year without being you could not even be like elite and still have a really good like your record could be really good. You just you win, you're pretty good, right? You win you win all the games you should. 
Like, beat all the teams you're better than, which is probably, what, five games? Like, there's at least five games in that schedule where it's like, no, Nebraska's the better team they should win. So you got five there. And then, you really, what do you got? What, do, what does Nebraska have on their schedule that's like they're not winning that game? Uh, uh, do they play Ohio? Actually, I don't think they play Ohio State. Exactly. I think they played, they, yeah. I think they play, I think Michigan is the hardest one. And that's, I mean, Michigan's tough. Actually, so let's even, and if it's in, it's not probably not in Nebraska, is it? Because they played Michigan. Uh, they play, yeah, it'll be at the big house. I mean, that's I tough. think that okay. would be the toughest one. Yeah. But see, that's, if that's the toughest one, it's like, well, you know, win, win three out of five of the other games, then you're already, at, I don't know, you're eight or nine wins. Like, it's not, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not that it's hard not to that have crazy. a good season. You're on the you're on the tipping point, man. The the Nebraska football is on the tipping point. You know why not have a, enough momentum and kind of just tip it in the positive direction? So I think I don't think I don't see Nebraska going six and six next year. I see them either going like eight at least eight wins or like three four. Wins. Like yeah, it'll yeah, it's either great or terrible. Which would make the decision obvious. Yeah. So then yeah. then you're like, well. Did good. Okay, great. Keep them. If if they win four games, okay, gone. So it'd be a shame. It'd be a real shame if Scott Frost can't win at Nebraska. It would be. I think everyone, even if you dislike Nebraska, that's got to make you a little sad that a yeah, guy like that. He was supposed to work out. Yeah, it's just kind of. It would just be sad. No one would like it. Not on, Not only did he play there, did he win a national championship there? The guy's from there. The guy's from Wood River, Nebraska. Like he is homegrown like born and raised his mom was like the track coach at nebraska it i mean just total uh it would all right, we're it throwing would we're throwing all the good vibes to nebraska right there come on we are let's go huskers let's go huskers husker pal or husker podcast here yeah i didn't i didn't know we were gonna get so deep into the husker football team but i'm i'm always glad to talk about always it. ready to talk huskers i'm excited about it for sure yeah, yeah, a new season is a new opportunity for everybody. That's what makes sports awesome. Yeah, the like, SEC West is up for grabs. The SEC East is up for grabs. I mean, SEC, anything could happen. SEC West run. I'll say this. This is what I legitimately have to say. SEC West runs through our Fayetteville, Arkansas next year. And I say, that, I say that because of this. I say that because of this. Arkansas is a factor, okay? I'm calling us a factor. But also Alabama, for all intents and purposes, is legitimately – they are the, the standard of excellence in the SUS, but they play in Fayetteville this year. So it quite literally runs through Fayetteville. So Hogs got a chance at home versus Alabama. If you beat Alabama, you got a shot in the West. Oh, yeah. You got a shot. You can probably only drop one other game, but then you'll have the tiebreaker. So, I mean, our schedule is favorable. We play, uh, well, we always play Missouri, but I think we got South Missouri and South Carolina from the East. So, you know, pretty good draw there. And then I uh, got everybody else. So it, it's a new season for everybody. Vols yeah. got that excitement. Huskers got some excitement. Yeah. Like the, the whole country. Everybody. Everybody's like, you know what? We ain't lost yet. <laughs> right? We ain't lost yet. That's very true. And, I mean, I think uh, there's a chance Georgia is a little kind of drunk off this national championship. I can see it. Florida's um, obviously going to have – some trouble, I would think, trying to turn this program around from complete shambles. Uh, and they're trying to switch. I was listening to uh, their new coach, Napier, right? Uh, yeah. Billy, Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. I was listening to him on the radio the other day talking about switching, switching, the, switching their offense to more of like a 
you know, more of a heavy set pro like uh, kind of running attack. Like high formation. I, any, anytime, anytime you have to, when you're, when a head coach comes in and says, no, we got to get way better on the offensive and defensive line, you know, they're about to go through a rough patch. Like yeah. in the SEC, if like, you're like, oh crap. Like we are not ready on the offensive and defensive lines. Then you're like, in trouble. You're you're in trouble. So Florida, they're going to be down. Like I, I heard him. I heard him talking about how how poor his offensive and defensive lines were, and I knew like they are in for a rough year. Dan Mullen <laughs> left that program kind of in shambles. Like legit. Yeah. Like they, it was a weird exit. Like players have been leaving there in the portal in high numbers. And they have been recruiting poorly. Like Florida's poised to have some tough years. I don't know if Napier is a fit. Maybe he is. Maybe he's a great fit and comes in there. Uh, I think probably a pretty good coach. Uh, they had a good program there. Uh, the Raging Cajuns, shout out. Yeah. Um, so we'll he's see. Got a, but, he's but, got a project but, to work on. Yeah, the east, he's got the a project. The East is susceptible. The East is susceptible. And if you can. I'm not afraid of anybody except yeah. Georgia. And I yeah. think there's a chance to have a down year after you win a national championship. I mean, it's tough to repeat that success. So I'm not afraid of anybody else in the East. Let's go Vols. Let's go. Ain't lost yet. Yeah, I don't think you have to be afraid of – I don't think Tennessee has to be afraid of anyone. But you still got to – I know Tennessee owns Kentucky, but at the same time, that was a game last year that was – Yeah, that was – I mean, it was just back and forth. It was just back and forth. Um, And I think you're going to score that many on them again. It's just you – I mean, you got to make sure you – Yeah, I mean, Will Levis is going to still be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC – and then you have a whole question mark with South Carolina, how good they're going to be. Beamer ball. So. Yeah. They're not good. They're, I, I, I could be wrong. I don't see them being particularly I don't know. fantastic. Yeah. Because I, first, one one thing is because I think Spencer Rattler is a bad quarterback. Like, he's not a good quarterback. No, nah, I think he's good. Maybe, but I don't. I haven't seen anything that I was like, "Wow, he's actually is." Yeah, really I mean, good. he was under the tutelage of the the so called quarterback. Yeah, he played. He played in the most quarterback friendly offense in the history of offenses that has produced like over and over again. Yes, they were good quarterbacks, but like obviously the system really helps quarterbacks succeed. Placed in that system under the guy who has coached more quarterbacks to amazing seasons than anybody, and he was bad. He was so bad he got benched. Like he he legitimately got benched. Now the guy who was behind him was good. Obviously, like there was a really good player behind him too. But I don't know. We'll see. I I don't see him. He'll probably be decent, I guess. But I just don't see him being like a guy that really takes a team from pretty mediocre to like really good. Like I don't see him elevating a team that much. Yeah, that's the thing. Even if he is really good. Is it still? I mean, it's still South Carolina. Like, it's not like they're off the charts at other positions necessarily. So even even if Spencer Rattler's awesome, that doesn't mean any. I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything. Is what I should say. I think that Beamer guy's kind of weird. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I don't. I can't get a good feel on him. Him, uh, Missouri's (laughs) Drinkwitz. Oh, Drinkwitz. Yeah, he's such a nerd. Like, he's he's kind of Drinkwitz. He is a miss. He is not fit in. Like he is. What does he do? Like you think him and Nick Saban have like real conversations about football? Like you think Nick Saban respects Eli Drinkwitz? (laughs) Dude, I did. I warmed up to old Eli last year on a media days because he was just kind of he's a dork, but at the same time he's kind of cocky and it's kind of funny because of like his whole persona. And he was totally 
I think he was kind of ripping on Dan Mullen because he showed up rocking Jordans or something to SEC media days, kind of making fun of Mullen. Mullen was so weird, too. Yeah, she is weird. His wife kissing uh, all the players, too, like on the mouth. That was just sketchy. Something sketchy was going down in Gainesville. I'm not going to call it. I mean, I'm not going to name any names or say anything happened specifically, but I know something weird was going on down there. The uh, yeah, Brian Kelly at LSU, like good. That's what I mean. I'd go back to Arkansas, but like something like that is a positive for a team. You know, we're in Pittman's third year, they've got a first year coach. Like, that's a they're coming to us. Like, that's a really good chance to get another win versus LSU. Like, if you can't beat them in the first year of a head coach, you're probably not gonna have a lot of success against them in the coming years. Uh, because year one is definitely uh, a time that. They're they're rebuilding. No, no matter who comes in, where even Nick Saban in year one in Alabama was really susceptible. Like they lost, you know, the most he lost. Um, so kind of that sets up good uh, for I mean everyone in the West. Old Miss has got to find a new quarterback. They lost yeah. both coordinators too. So I just don't feel like they'll be as you know as up there. Mississippi State will probably be decent. Like they've been decent the last couple of years. I don't know. Maybe in year three they're better, but I I still don't think the style that they play is just going to be tough to win. Is Leach the guy? Like, I think he's the guy from Mississippi State. Yeah, he's the guy yeah. from Mississippi State. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. He is the guy from Mississippi State. They'll be good, but, you know, to win a lot of games in the SEC consistently like that, no one typically does it, but you know, I'm not saying you can't. Um, and then who we else? A&M, is, A&M should Auburn be pretty too. good. Yeah, but Auburn, I think Auburn's going to have they're a They're not going to be good. No, After they're going to be terrible. Almost transpired. Oh uh, I don't much, know. They yeah, lost several I, coordinators, too. Like they, Several coordinators. They hired, seemed like Carson was out at one point. It seemed like for sure he was gone and then ends up somehow staying. I don't know. There's no, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before about things, but I'm pre- I feel pretty confident that Auburn's not going to have a very good year. No, yeah. Like, you don't, don't bounce back from that and really succeed. And they weren't very good last year. Like, what? Well, they barely They were, they were like, like six and Bowl. one. Didn't yeah. they? When they were six and one and then lost like five straight or something? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's not – that doesn't bode well. That That's just – Finishing your season. Something's not right. Not, like, yeah. this is probably Harson's last year. I legitimately think they're going to have a bad year, and it's – I mean, even if it's six and six again, that's just not up to it. Along with along with all these other shortcomings and like bad press and bad media, you're gonna also be bad. You're gonna be a bad coach and do all this stuff. Nah, you gotta go. <laughs> like you're out of there. No, yeah. Well, I don't even think they'll. I think they'll be below five hundred because I think they play Penn State again. That's one of their out of conference games. Yeah. Just having a tough out of conference game, like I don't see them winning that. And then playing in the West, they're not going to win a lot of games, in my opinion. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. I don't think they're going to. I mean, the SEC West is always tough. Yeah. We'll see. Be a fun year. It's, everybody's got hope. Everybody has opportunities. So everyone's undefeated right now. Yeah. Ain't never lost. Um, I do want to get a quick plug in, talk a little SEC baseball here. Seth and I were talking before you hopped on. Well, Tennessee is pretty much locked up. Uh, the battle for the SEC, they'd have to absolutely crumble, and Arkansas would have to rip off six straight. Um, I mean, or they not six; they would have to win out. Um, it's it'd be it'd be insane if Tennessee somehow 
fumbled this bag. So I'm pretty excited about Tennessee probably hosting uh, hosting a regional. Um, and probably it's be hosting. Fun. Dude, they yeah, could uh, lose out. Uh, host I guess it would lose. That's true because they're 16. It's top 16, right? Get yeah. to uh, host a regional. Yeah. They if they go 500, they're. I mean, if they go 500, they're still probably the number. <laughs> they might still be yeah. the number one overall. Like honestly, yeah, we're so. But far that, like, why would I? Don't, I don't expect them to slow down. Like they just are playing that well. They're just that. They're that confident. They're that good. That's how baseball kind of works. So, they're but then it does. Like, it does reset. The playoffs reset everything. Yeah. Like once you get there, your record in the right. I mean, it matters because you have those experiences of winning, but it doesn't matter for anything else. Um. But yeah, it's for them to be pretty much locked up as SC champs this early is crazy. They've just blown, they've blown everybody away, gone, <laughs> done, done things that no one really does very often in SC baseball. Um, so it's just yeah. impressive. Put themselves in a great position. I will say the only thing I'm worried about, just because it is Tennessee, this team is making me think of that. Uh, Grant and Admiral and Bone basketball team. Yeah, that, that ended up a little losing too early. The, yeah, the well, th- that ended up losing to Purdue in the Sweet 16. And it's just like you have such high expectations and you've played so well all year. And then you just kind of like hit a speed Fizzle bump out. and then yeah. it's all over. Like that's just my greatest nightmare. So, but yeah. I mean, that that's sports. So, but yeah, this got, team, the, like baseball is never a single elimination either. So that's right. kind of nice too. It's like, Look at this team that's only lost how many games all year? And like, three, yeah. yeah, you might beat us once, but you got to beat us at least either two out of three or a double elimination like tournament style. So, yeah. like, you're going to have to beat us multiple times to get us out of here. And we ain't lost many times. <laughs> so, that's a good way to put it. But, you know, that's what I talked about Arkansas last year. They won 10 SEC series. So, they won every single series, which is just an amazing season to go the whole season. Not, I mean, Tennessee's on pace to do it now. And even, even more wins. Um, but still, just a great accomplishment. Didn't lose a series all year until yeah, the Super Regional. So, so yeah, you, yeah, we won all these series. Great. We didn't lose a single one. But then the only one that really mattered, you lost two out of three. And, yeah. you know, you got beat twice at home. And it happens. I mean, that's <laughs> it happens all the time. Like, every year, a true favorite is going to probably lose, you know, lose games that they – theoretically shouldn't lose but it that's that's baseball they're gonna lose it it's it's a it's a crazy game of a momentum and everything omaha's a very big ballpark doesn't typically play to like a true just bombing home runs kind of yeah and that's what tennessee's offense has been you can still hit home runs there like people hit oh yeah so it's like tennessee's hit home runs everywhere they've been but you know it could slow down their offense one game a few of those a few home runs get caught at the warning track like you know, two balls get caught at the warning track yeah. that would have normally been home runs. Well, that's a huge swing in a game. Um, so it'll be fun. I, I think uh, if Hogs make it to Omaha, I'll be up there this year for sure. I, I never, uh, I've never actually made the College World Series, so I'm hoping Hogs and Balls make it. We can all go out there. That would party, be awesome. Party in Omaha. I will be there for sure. I might <laughs> go anyway, fun. honestly. Yeah, I need to go at some point. Well, because I've got, I mean, y'all know I've got, fam- I've got family and friends up in Omaha, so. I mean, I don't know how I haven't been before. I think I might – actually, if Tennessee doesn't go, it might leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. No, you got to go when your team's in it. Like, you got to go up there. What if – yeah, what if Hogs, Balls, and Huskers all somehow I – mean, because – Huskers are having a solid year. They're doing fine. I mean, they can make a run. Yeah. They're definitely not the right as, moment. 
it's not as good as last year's team, but doesn't last matter. Last year's Nebraska team looked good. They gave Arkansas yeah. a run for the money. Yeah, they had a real – well, in that last game, they had a real shot, I remember, because they kicked it off with a home run, and then yeah. obviously Arkansas. I think cops just kind of – no, well, actually, I think it was the opposite. I think Nebraska just ran out of arms. They, yeah. they were not deep enough at the pitching position. But, I mean, that's what excites me about this Tennessee team is not only do they so have the big deep. bats, but you got so many pitchers too. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy in Ben Joyce throwing 104 miles an hour regularly. Yeah, he's breaking NCAA records. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. The fireman. I love it. When when does the, uh, when, when, I guess, when is the regular season over? Starts around the first of June, really, it feels like postseason. Is like conference tournaments? Uh, Conference tournaments, probably like mm, middle of May, I guess. What does the conference tournament do for you? Just, if you're there's an auto bid, bid. There's auto, an auto bid. bid. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, okay. it doesn't do anything for Tennessee, and that's what Arkansas fans like. We hadn't won a tournament in a long time, and but we won the we won the SC regular season and the SC tournament last year, and then lost in the. So a lot of fans, like Arkansas fans, like who cares? Like SC tournament don't care. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're only only concerned with the uh, postseason. And is it always is SC tourney always in Hoover? Always in Hoover. Okay. Cool. But yeah, that's uh, I had to get my little SEC baseball plug in with how good Tennessee's playing. But that's pretty much oh, yeah. all I've got, boys. Well, that's probably what we'll be focused on, on especially once June rolls around. Besides, maybe some NBA playoff stuff. We'll probably be talking a lot of college baseball yeah. as it yeah. winds down. But yeah, guys, uh, thanks again for listening. This has been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check out sixpackcoverage.com. They'll be posting uh, our podcast as well as the content we put out. Be sure to check us out on. Instagram at Paydirt Sports on Twitter at Pater underscore sports and the website paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Paydirt out.